episode is brought to you by 24-7 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches.com. Use code Todd Capital at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book Smartphone Millionaire, how to lend to people, real estate, and businesses from the palm of your hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 101. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that has 300 members and about 200 people on the waiting list. Also the founder of Todd Acquisitions, our real estate investment club that has multiple real estate investments in multiple stages of development. Some have been completely rehabbed. Some are pending inspection. Some are waiting to be rehabbed. So really cool thing is going on. I'm planning to continue to acquire more properties. If you know of anything, let us know. Email us at propertymanagement at capitaltod.com. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating or review. It's highly appreciated. Um, let's see. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. You guys all know the purpose of this podcast. is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can hear the stories of successful examples because they exist. We want people to learn that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have a brother named Eric Friday. He is the owner of the handle Real Estate Friday on Instagram. He is a real estate wholesaler, also a real estate investor in the Detroit market, doing some really cool things, making some, some really cool deals happen. And one thing I like about what he's doing is his deals make a lot of sense. So they make a lot of sense for, I'm sure, him, of course, but they also make a lot of sense for the investor. So um, with that, welcome to the show, man. When you look to as a higher source, higher power, use every, I mean, obviously everyone was created um, as a purpose or they have a purpose in life. Um, and I just, there's a few people that, that quote, or I, what made me say that, but Nipsey's passing just really just made me, and all the love he got after he passed just right. really shows you that he was walking in his purpose. So Absolutely. basically, you know, and he was only 33. So to do that, you know, and to be so, to get that type of response, obviously he used everything he had up to that point and you see the effects of that. So yeah. in everyday life, you know, just, or just in life period, you know, I just, it's something that I'm trying to incorporate, you know, just really using everything, getting the, the, the best version of myself every day um, from the creator, basically. Awesome. So um, what are your what are your thoughts just on that whole situation and and what that means for what I consider this new renaissance of wealth that's being generated in the community? Um, well, I mean, it was it hit me really, really hard. I mean, I was a. I was a Nipsey Hustle. I'm a Nipsey Hustle fan, um, but more so, I just, I just like the way he moved. Like, in in a world where like the just the social media era and 
how everything, how like uh, clown, like how clown stuff just gets amplified and it gets supported so much to see him at a place where he's at and to know that he's, he did it with integrity, um, where he came from. Um, he didn't really compromise anything and to see the type of success he was getting. To me, I just related to it because he was right. a laid back guy. I'm laid back. Um, he, he wasn't flash. He wasn't gaudy. You know, there's just a lot of similarities with him. So it hit me. And then not only that, obviously, what he's doing in the community, um, he's into real estate, he's into investment, he's he's moving on a higher frequency. And not to say that I'm on his level, but I feel like we had a lot of similarities. So right. it, it hit me like I grew up with him. Right. Um, and then I think I think you had posted about it, like, is it, it makes you question, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Um, which that was another thing is like, do you do all this um, and you're, and part, part of your why is, you know, to, to give back to the community and, you know, show people that, Hey, I was, I grew up here. I come from the same circumstances, the same environments as you. Um, but look where I'm at. I'm, I'm owning the, the area that I grew up in. And then for it to happen that way in front of his own story, it, I, I felt, you know, similar to what you post, like, is it like, is it worth it? Like for that to happen and and it to be done by his own people, right? So right. I, I I was really affected. It really hit me hard. So, um, I mean, to bring it kind of more to like a real estate conversation, how did you get started in real estate? Um, I got started. Um, basically, I was working a job where I was working. Um, I was having to travel. Um, travel out on Monday mornings um, and then travel back home on Fridays. Um, it was a good paying job, um, but it was just, I, I started to see, well, really what, what really made me not like the job was I had a, uh, my son at the time was about five. He was in kindergarten and I just noticed the, the, the shift or, or what I felt was a shift in me not being there. Um, so it made me just, it made me realize, okay, I can't do this for 30 years. I can't be, on the road, you know, five days a week, or even, you know, working 10 hours, 12 hour shifts, just because the money is good. Um, and so I was like, well, what could be an alternative? Obviously, I want to make money, I need to make money, but I need my time, I, I want to be able to, you know, enjoy my family. Um, so I don't even know how I um, stumbled upon him at the time I was, I mean, I still watch Breakfast Club, but I was watching Breakfast Club and Jay Morrison, he got on, he was on, um, and he was just talking about real estate. He was talking about, you know, wholesaling and buying and flipping, buying and holding, um, all, all, you know, all the different facets. And it just intrigued me. And the, the main like thing was you could do this and not have to work a nine to five, you know, or not, you know, you would, you would have more control of your time. So that's what really, once I saw that interview, I started researching and that was in 2014. So that's how I got into it. Nice. One thing I like about what you're doing is you kind of, you kind of occupy the space of like wholesaling in that area, in that market. And you're like Detroit property solutions. You go to your website. It's super, very well laid out. I like how you alternate fonts and you alternate colors and you bold this and you don't bold that. And like, Mm -hmm. sometimes you repeat like, Hey, call us here. And Hey, call us here. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well done. Did it always start like that? Or did you kind of, Get better at marketing as you went along. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it 
uh, like I say, I started learning in 2014. Um, I would say I didn't get real serious and real intentional about the business until the end of 2016 was when I really, really got like laser focused. Just, I just really, I, I did everything basically, but no, it, it definitely didn't start like that. Um, just like anybody and anything, you know, when you're starting something, it's, you're basically paying to learn basically. So, and sometimes you're, 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 you're spending money that you're not getting back and you know, you're growing pains, all that. So no, um, my first website and it was a and that website is actually a a website uh, from investor care which a lot of investors use um, as a template to start and then what you can do is just go in and modify it to your um, basically what you're doing Um, but yeah no my first website was kind of similar in that I had a template but no it was horrible it it was completely (laughs) off focus um, it was more so you would have thought that I was selling $2 million homes. Um, and, and doing that, I, that's when kind of when I got, went to the investor care website. Um, and now actually I'm, I'm, that website will be completely redone. I'm, I'll, I'll own my own website, um, in a while well, and probably next 10 days or so. I'm actually having someone revamp all that. So, so that it will hopefully look better and, and, uh, and, uh, an enormous amount of money at the time, which still is a lot of money to me um, now um, to join their, their group, which, and I, and to do it, I took out a loan, which required me to pay, make a monthly payment every month from 2000, from February 2015 until I paid it off. Um, so what's, that uh, was what's always fortune builders. So fortune builders is like the, I would call them like the gurus, like they, or they consider themselves gurus in real estate. Um, they have uh, basically a, a business, their business model is, Hey, they, they'll come to your city. They'll, you know, say, Hey, we have this system um, that you can use. We have all this, the access to resources and all that. Just join our group and you'll have access to all that for your life, for life. And it's, it's real estate, real estate focused. So it teaches, it's like a online school basically. And then you also have, the resources outside of that that you can use. Um, so I joined that and that was 2015. I bought my first rental in 2015 um, and it took me a year to get it rehabbed and tenant occupied. And th- that was in 2016. And that was when I got focused on the, uh, the real estate because I, I had the loan out for fortune builders that was costing me uh, almost $500 a month to pay. Not only that, I used credit cards to rehab my the, the rental so i had that overhead so my overhead was extremely high and i'm like you know what i've made way too many investments into real estate i have to recoup some of this money so that was when i got laser focused and just really started being really intentional about you know making sure i got back what i put in so it took you a year to rehab your first property why is that yep um well mainly because i was doing it myself doing it myself and then i don't know i guess i was playing with it like I, I bought the house in October. I didn't do anything. I mean, I changed the locks and did some landscaping stuff. And then I didn't start it again until February. Um, and then it took me from, well, just, I don't know. I, I mean, that was part of it. But looking back now, knowing, knowing now that I've flipped houses in months, it's like, no, I could have been working in the wintertime. I could have had that thing rented out within a, you know, a month or so. Um, but yeah, mainly it was just that I was doing the work myself 
and then I was using my credit card, so I didn't want to, I was kind of hesitating with that. I didn't really have the liquid capital at the time to, to do it. So it was basically just my my fault that I just, I wasn't taking it serious. I think that, I think that it's kind of a learning experience. It's just a long learning experience. And so like when you're going through that first rehab, you're learning, this has to get done, this has to get done, this has to get done. You're also learning how much things cost. You're also learning like how long things should take. And so it's funny, I've had a year long rehab experience as well. And now I know like, I don't want this thing to take me longer than 45 days. Like I, I know like this is this, this is a starting point and I know what you need to do, what needs to get done. And mm -hmm. it's funny because a lot of people who are starting out have similar experiences. And if you're somebody who's on the sidelines, you're like, oh, I can't do a deal unless it's going to be perfect. You'll probably be sitting on the sidelines forever. But if you're willing to hop out there and, and grind out that first deal that takes you longer and might still be profitable, because even though you're making mistakes mm -hmm. in real estate, it can be profitable still, it sets you up to be where you are now. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, when people ask me now, like, like a lot of people just from social media, going to the local meetups, you know, just from relationships, people, obviously, I, I'm showing that I'm doing the business. A lot of people will ask me, you know, like, is there any advice I, I would have or, you know, what can I do? And I always just say, and it's, it's, it's cliche, you know, but it's just start. Like, take what you, what you got, learn, and then go out and apply it. Take some action. That was like the, my biggest mistake is that I would I was just gathering all this information. I wasn't doing anything with the information. Yep, yep. And there's a lot of information out there. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You can you can spend hours in front of a computer or right. in a there's, classroom. There's no secrets. There's no silver bullets. A lot of people are looking for that one YouTube video that's gonna like break everything loose. So yeah, you're you're definitely. one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is because you're. <clears throat> you're in Detroit. I don't know if that's your only market. You might be investing out of state. But my question to you is why Detroit? Well, I live here. So I live, I was born and raised in Detroit. So um, it was a no brainer. And I was, I don't know if, if it was Jay or, or who, but um, I was, I, it's always been in my mind that let me, I might've been even Charlemagne from the Breakfast Club. It's like, let me get grab this market first like so be the be the big fish in your small your small pond first and then expand so when i first started i was trying to i was i was everywhere like not only in detroit but i was looking other states and thinking about moving to atlanta at the time because i thought the opportunity was better in other places and then it was like you know detroit you've been in detroit you you've lived in detroit like start there and then learn become a better wholesaler, flipper, landlord, whatever. And then if you want to expand, expand. So it was a no, well, it was a no brainer after I sat down and really thought about it. Like, let's just do it here. And then especially once seeing that there's opportunity here, right? Like no, like no other. So <laughs> it's like a blue ocean. Yeah. And now that, that's another, have you read that book? Blue ocean strategy? Yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, and that was another thing I, I started looking at. It's like, we have those red oceans around Detroit. Let me just focus on this blue ocean. Right, and, exactly. You know, capitalize on that, so. Absolutely, and honestly, when I, when I start seeing like, like what was happening in Atlanta, where homes were like inexpensive one month and now they're unaffordable the next month mm -hmm. in regard to being an investment, I was like, we gotta leave Atlanta. Like it doesn't even make any sense to try to invest there. Um, 
I mean, if you're playing for appreciation, that's great, but we're strictly long-term right. cash flow investors and just like buy and hold guys. But I think one of the interesting things and what I'm realizing is like I started investing where I started, but now I might actually be losing money by not investing at, in my home state. So like I had mm. to start investing out of state cause I'm in Southern California, but now with the knowledge, the experience and the track record that I have, I can start investing at home and I might actually be able to kind of make even more money because now I know everything about that market as opposed to knowing things in the general sense about that market and then allowing other people on the ground to have more knowledge about my property than I have. So it's like, you can yep. be losing money that way because then people can say, Oh, you need this, you need that. And you just, they kind of take their word for it and you could be potentially losing money by giving them extra money that they don't deserve. Yep. And that was another angle I wanted to, I like, I wanted to be one of the Detroit experts. Like I, I, I didn't want you to be able to tell me something about Detroit that I not already, already know. Um, exactly. I felt that would be an asset for, especially out of state and overseas investors that are looking to, you know, do deals here. So, so you say you're from California? I'm from California. I live in California. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Well, I thought you were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I hosted a lot of deals um, to California buyers. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly like, it makes too much sense. We, we strictly, um, just reach in there and just buy in the Midwest, but don't live there. I mean, I would, I would like to have a house there uh, that I actually lived out of, but working on that. One of the issues that I had when I was uh, doing some direct mail in Detroit was mm -hmm. a lot of the homes are vacant. And so I sent out like a hundred letters and got back like 80. Ooh, so yeah. <laughs> um, how, how do you, how do you market successfully in a market like Detroit where there's a lot of vacancy? Um, so, I mean, that's a few ways. When I first started, I was doing everything. I was doing bandit signs, Craigslist, um, cold calling, uh, letters, postcards. I'm, you name it, I probably did it. Um, now majority of my stuff is referral. Like everything is being sent to me. Um, but I still do a little bit of mailers. A lot of times though, it's driving for dollars mailers. So it's a house that, um, yeah. that I'm, I already know I'm interested in, and then I'm skip tracing it to find the owner. Um, so I'm not sending it to that house. I'm sending it to house. the owner's house. So that's typically what I do now. Um, but I, and then even, even if I, even, even if I didn't do that, if I just sent mailers, I would, I mean, I would expect, I, I only do absentee direct mail. I don't send it. Um, I don't send it to the, the, the homeowner's address. They're, they're always in another, either another, another property. They're not at the property that I'm sending it to or send, sending it for. What did your first deal look like? I know we talked about in general, how that first rental looked like, but what did the numbers look like and what did, what did the rehab look like and what did the exit strategy look like for the rental? Um, so I bought that rental from the Wayne County. We have an auction for our County, which you know, do too. Um, so I bought it for a thousand dollars. I had to pay like, uh, I want to say like $1,200 in taxes. Um, so I was all in at like 2,200. The rehab, um, it, it ran me about 12 grand and I probably could have done it. Um, I could have done it a lot cheaper, but at the time I thought I was in between 
if I was going to stay in the house or if I was going to rent it out. So I was rehabbing it to a standard of I would live there versus a, a renter's standard, which was a mistake, a huge mistake. I would never go into a project not knowing what my exit strategy is. So um, I, I like to say that the rehab was about $12,000 and right now it's rented for six seventy-five a month and it's been rented since, uh, it's been occupied since October of 2016. Wow, that's cool. So you're bringing yeah. in net, well, like 4,500 or 450 a month net? Or yeah, like, uh, about four, uh, about four, uh, about four, That's the reason why I love Detroit property because you you don't get numbers like that anywhere else. Nowhere else are you getting netting 450 a door. Yeah. I mean, obviously it comes, uh, I was going to say, obviously it comes with uh, a risk factor because especially if, because I know a California, if a California investor hears that they're, I mean, they're going crazy. Like if I can get that, but, if you're in California, you're thinking that you can invest in a Detroit house and you don't know the area, you might never see that. So it's, that, it's, um, and it's, it's also difficult to get somebody to give you a, a solid bid of like 12,000 to rehab a property. And you said you yeah. could do it for less. A lot of times contractors yeah. are charging a lot more, especially if they like think you're like, Oh, you're from California, man. They got money. Oh yeah. I'm going to get you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's one of the the hardest things with that that I know, and I I deal with it all the time. You know, people that have bought in Detroit um, that don't live there, even and some of them even have a property manager. Everyone is screwed. The property manager, the realtor, the contractor. It's it's tough. I mean, it's tough when you're here. Um, it's even right. tougher to not have not only boots on the ground, but you a solid individual that is boots on the ground. Right. Solid. Cause even your boots on the ground are trying to get you if they can. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them will. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's bad. That's crazy, man. I don't know why this like that. Wow. Um, what did your first wholesale deal look like? First wholesale deal was a deal I got from Craigslist. So for anyone that thinks Craigslist doesn't work, um, I haven't done a deal from them in a while, but I'm not as, uh, consistent with it as I used to be. Um, but yeah, it came from Craigslist. A guy, he wanted to sell his home. Um, he just kind of wanted the numbers on it. Um, uh, we could talk about the story too. Got it under contract. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he called, he, he saw one of my ads on Craigslist. Um, he was, uh, he was about to retire from his job. I believe um, this was in 2000. Yeah. 2017. Um, so yeah, 2017 Craigslist. Uh, he was about to retire, I believe. Um, so he was moving. He was kids were out of the house. He and his wife were the only ones there. So he was downgrading, down, downsizing the house. Um, and he just didn't want to, he didn't want a realtor, um, to list it. He didn't want to pay the commission. He didn't want to walk a lot of people through his house. He just wanted to be done really, really quick. Um, so he reached out to us. He was asking, I believe 45 at the time. And after running comps and stuff, I was, you know, 45 was something and I felt, and he was willing to consider a lower price. So looking at the comps, it was something that I thought would make sense. Um, got out there and I believe we end up offering him 40. Yeah, 40, 40 on it. And then I found a buyer for 40, 45, no 46. So I got under contract for 40, wholesale to 46. So we made six grand on that one. How did you, how did you build up your buyers list in the beginning? Oh man, my buyers list was terrible in the beginning. Um, I was the, the, my main source was, 
either like a podcast, listening to different podcasts, people people giving out their email addresses, Facebook groups, or like the local RIA groups. So like I know like in in the Detroit area, like we have a few, like well, not even a few, we have a lot of Facebook groups, and sometimes certain groups have different rules, but um, like one group in particular, like people would post a deal or they might post, you know, th- what they're looking for. And then you'll get like 60, 70 emails of people who are interested in that area. I would just go and grab the emails and just add them to my own buyers list. That was how I originally got started. Um, and then I, I obviously networking, networking in different real groups, meeting different people. And that's how it started growing. And what really started growing, it was obviously getting a deal and um, sending out or posting it on either in the Facebook group or on social media. And then, you know, associating myself with people who are doing deals. And that just started, you know, helped me continue to grow it. But yeah, I would say that Facebook post stuff was probably what really. Kind of like a guerrilla tactic. It's like any, anything you can do. What was that? It's, it's kind of like a gorilla. Oh, tactic. yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. You can get people on your list. I like it. That's cool. I mean, because people think of like, there's like this list of how do you, yeah. how do you get um, people on your buyer's list? And there's like, oh, you do this, 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 this. And you kind of took a more creative approach to it. And you, you got what you wanted, which is really cool. Yeah, what are some, even now you can buy them, I think. Oh, really? I didn't know. That makes sense. You know. Well, you can like search for like cash buyers. And you know, obviously, reach out to them and see if they want to be added to your list. What 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 are some tips that you would give for an investor in vetting a wholesale deal? What should they be looking to do? In vetting one, yeah. um, definitely. My my advice is get your real estate license um, and have access to the MLS. Um, you could do it without it. Um, you could use a realtor to pull your comps, um, but I just find it, especially if you're 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 in those markets. Um, where speed is um, necessary for your deals, you don't want to be waiting on a realtor to pull your comps. So I would say get your license, get familiar with whatever MLS service um, your state uses, um, and always play around with it. Um, See how to pull comps. So like for my deals, what I do now is every time I get a lead and I talk to the seller, I'm comparing it based on the MLS, even in Detroit. Um, even though sometimes we can't use ARV in Detroit, I still want to see like what the activity is in the area. Are there a lot of active properties? If there's a lot of active properties it's in certain areas, obviously, like in, this, in our area and suburbs, if there's active, a lot of active properties, no pennies, no sold, um, not many people are buying there. So majority of my stuff is Detroit. If I see a lot of active properties, I know not too many people are buying in that area. If there are sold properties, I'm wanting to see immediately what those sold properties look like um, and how long did it take them to sell. In in my market, I can I can wholesale, I can list a wholesale property. And that's for for, for my business, that is always my last option with a wholesale deal. If I'm going into it and I'm I know I'm gonna wholesale and I know I'm gonna find a buyer, worst case scenario, I can list it. And get it sold. So I know if if I'm looking at listed sold properties on the MLS, I want to know what they sold for. So I gotta my number for me to go under contract has to be less than that because if I want to wholesale it, and then especially if I want to wholesale it on the MLS, I need to be able to compare to what is already sold. So I would say get your license and just really go through and learn 
how to comp properties and to, to, so that you know what how to vet you know your deals obviously and then always look for equity and motivation when you're talking to these sellers always look for equity and motivation um why are they selling why are they contacting you why aren't they listing it with a realtor listing with the realtor is all, all pretty much always going to net them a higher price pretty much for the majority because you you're it's it's a wider off audience um um different buyer pool so if they're not listening with a realtor i want to know why so that's the motivation and also i want to know have they or do they owe anything on the property and what the property is worth i can kind of gauge what the property is worth from the mls obviously i need to talk to the seller to see if they owe anything as far as any mortgages any um liens any taxes any water that type of thing so equity and motivation always when you're talking to the seller and then get your um, real estate license for comp. What was your most memorable deal? Uh, there must not be too many because I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I would probably say, I mean, the first one is probably the the most memorable. Or actually, no, not not the first one. The first one I didn't get. The first one that was a deal that I didn't get was probably. I I don't know if if it's even like the most memorable, but at least for me, it let me know that it was real. Like this, this you could really wholesale. And then obviously the first one. When I actually got paid, when I got paid three thousand dollars for that that first deal, it was a six thousand dollars assignment. But I split it with someone I went to for help. Um, I gave him half just so that he can kind of show me what to do. Um, but yeah, getting that that, that three thousand dollar check for, I mean, obviously, for one, I marketed on Craigslist, which was free, um, and I got it within thirty days, and I really didn't do much. Like I talked to the seller. I went out and saw the house, took pictures. Um, I met the buyer over there a few days later. Um, we signed, uh, we agreed on the, the assignment fee. Um, and then we closed, I want to say like seven or 10 days later. So to get a $3,000 check for that, I was like, oh man, this is real. Yeah. Um, and then prior to that, the first deal that didn't work, that showed me that, okay, it would have been a deal, but the, the seller couldn't clear title. So. Those would probably be just because it really opened up my mindset to say, okay, yeah, this is possible. One of the things you said at the end, there's, there's a lot that you said in there. One of the things you said is that um, you're willing to take 50% to get the deal closed instead of trying to get 100% and probably ending up with nothing. And I think that that's a principle that is really important. A lot of people, you might be missing a partner if you aren't getting to your goals is one of the things I always say. It's like, if you're not getting where you want to go, you might be missing a partner. And so for you, you partner with that person and it might have just got you over the hump, so now you can do your own deals. And so you you had to pay somebody so they could help you close it. And now you're off to the races. The other thing you said that you made a mistake and you didn't clear title or you didn't make sure that the title was clear. Mm. But I, I, what I was kind of hearing, you weren't saying it, but you were kind of saying it is like those issues. You don't make those mistakes anymore because now you kind of work it into your system. And so yep. all your mistakes are just a part of your system, which leads me to my next question, which is. What was your biggest real estate mistake and what lesson did you learn? Um, from it? My biggest mistake was putting more thought into the numbers. I, I, I was caught up on the numbers and I was missing the opportunity that I was getting. Um, so I wholesale, but I also, I, I uh, fix and flip too. Um, so, and, and it's always, it's always in my goal to move throughout, you know, not to just be labeled as a wholesaler, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that me in particular, this is my own personal preference. I'm more than just a wholesaler. Like I want to, I want to be multifaceted in real estate investments. So, and then obviously the month there's more money in flipping. Um, 
when you when you buy and flip um, bigger profits typically um, for those. Uh, so this was so I started wholesaling um, 2017, or at least I got my first deal done in 2017. Um, and I, so and then to kind of go back, I will also tell people whoever is looking to get into real estate, um, like I mentioned that, that I gave 50% to to the guy. Um, that is invaluable. If, if there's someone who you feel you could truly learn from, um, I would give up 75% for what I've gotten from him. Like I, I didn't know her. I mean, I knew stuff, but he was already in the business and I knew he knew, you know, what to do. So when I got that first deal that didn't go through, the first thing I did was I called him and said, Hey, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll give you half of whatever I make just to show me, you know, what to do. And that was the first deal. And it didn't work. Um, the deal didn't work. Like the one that didn't clear title. We the the, the next deal it did, and I say I gave him half, and I brought the deal to him. So you got to imagine you as a person. If someone brings you that type of value, and then you're going to get paid. Obviously, you're you're probably willing to help them. In return for that, I'm giving him fifty percent of whatever I whatever we make on the deal. He's giving me his knowledge, his his resources, and ships. And to this day, we still have a relationship. I can't, it's, it's no amount of money to put on the opportunity that I've gotten just from his, his relationship that I have with him, the relationship I have with him. So to kind of go back into the, the worst mistake was he knew coming in that I wanted to flip. I didn't want to just wholesale. He, he was always telling me, just make sure it's the right one. Make sure it's the right one. Um, and Eventually, I, I got the right one. Um, it's an area um, in Detroit. It's Rosedale Park. Um, it's in the city, but it's one of those historic neighborhoods that didn't suffer or it wasn't really impacted from, like, the crash. Like, I mean, it was impacted, but the neighborhood sustained. Like, the houses are still were still beautiful for the most part. Prices dropped, but the houses pretty much the, – the neighborhood didn't drop. So, got this house um, – I, one of the, so to go into the relationships, it's a guy that he and I both know. Um, he, he, he texts me and say, Hey, um, such and such has a house. You, um, you should go look at it. I think this might be the one you, you know, you do to flip. Um, I reach out to him. I go look at it. it. It's exactly what I would want for my first house. Like it's a standard house in Detroit that would sell for 150, 160 fixed up. Um, and the guy was, he had it under contract for 58 and he was going to wholesale it to me for 63 and the rehab was going to be about 40 grand. So I would have been all in at like a 103 and we were expecting to sell it for like 150. Um, so I, for that, I would have made, I mean, I probably would have netted about 30 grand, 30, 40, as I was using a private lender. So the guy he introduced me to his private to a private lender um a relationship that he has he tells him the story the guy doesn't even do detroit he doesn't even fund deals in detroit he's strictly considering doing this for me based off the relationship i have with and so just to, jeremy jeremy is the guy i have a relationship with um he's strictly going to do this just based off jeremy and i's relationship so we're going through the numbers we're having phone call we're on the phone sometimes for two hours going through this deal he agrees to do the deal He'll fund it completely, 100%. He'll give me the purchase price, $63,000. he will give me the rehab money, $40,000. Um, his terms are six months. I don't have to make any payments. Um, 
uh, what was the, yeah, I think that was it. I didn't, I didn't have to make any, any payments. The interest rate was 18% on a six month loan for about 103 grand. Um, so in my mind, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm, I'm fixated on this 15% interest rate for, um, at the time. I don't know if it was from watching whatever, but anyway, I go to him and say, okay, um, can we do it? But can we do it at 15%? At the time I wasn't, I hadn't, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking 15% is less money. I had to pay out. It's more money in my pocket. I'll be able to get to my goals quicker with this money. It was, I don't, I don't, ha- I can't do the, I mean, can't do the math on top of my head, but I think it was about $1,800 is the difference in interest. <laughs> yeah. He, because I asked him that he declined and he didn't want to do the deal anymore for his own personal reasons. He and I still have a relationship. We, it's no bad blood. Like, um, you know, he, he had his own reasons for not wanting to do it after I asked to renegotiate. Um, but anyway, long story short, it was an $1,800 or so difference in interest rate. I couldn't see that. And I didn't get the deal. That house went on to sell for 180, 30 grand more than what I originally thought it would sell for. And it would have been my first deal. It would have been an easy deal. So that is the biggest mistake. It's the, and really what I got from that is just to know who, who you're dealing with and then just not get so caught up in the numbers and just look at the opportunity because it, it was a much better opportunity than it was $1,800. I think that's so huge in a lot of ways. It's huge because you're learning. It's a learning process. And so like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah, you didn't make 80 grand or 60 grand or 30 grand, but I guarantee you've made that back over the course of the time that you've been doing deals. And so, oh, yeah. like, it's it's better to be out there fucking shit up than it is, excuse the language, it's, it's better to be out there messing up, getting in the rink, being the man in the arena, than it is to to sit there and say, I'm not doing this deal unless I can get 3%. And so, <laughs> it's I, I feel like there's no such thing as, as bad experience. There's no such thing as a, a mis-experience because it all, it all just shapes you or it finds you. You're going to get yep. there as long as you just – get back up at bat the next time yeah and then it's like i look at it like i i'm kind of i have like that that gary v mentality where like i feed off the losses like i yes like i just missed out on fifty thousand dollars it had never happened again um so detroit I, I, we invest in detroit and the reason why is i just i knew it had to come back do you think that detroit is back do you think that it's coming back do you think that it's never going to come back. What's your, what's your take on the city? And I know it kind of varies. Yeah. Um, you're definitely, obviously, you know, downtown is back. Um, a hundred percent and even neighborhoods that like that Rosedale park neighborhood I talked about in other areas. I mean, as far as like, there's a lot of things happening in Detroit, I would say, I mean, I'm 31, so I don't, I don't have much. I mean, I, I got some time here, but, 2008 was that crash. I was 20. Um, prior to that, I really, I wasn't in my mindset then. I wasn't even thinking, I don't know how well Detroit was off then. Um, in my personal opinion, I feel like Detroit is better than what it was prior to the, the, the crash, in my opinion. Um, I feel like what they've done, because part of the reason for the crash, at least, was because we were so focused on automotive. Um, our our city thrived off the automotive industry, and when that went down, obviously everything else went down. Now we're not just dependent on the automotive industry. 
I mean, you got Dan Gilbert here. You got, I mean, the automotive industry is doing well still. Um, you got so many other industries in the city that will be able, that you can thrive. So um, I would say we probably will never see anything like that again in Detroit, like uh, experience anything. I think something will probably happen because as you know, the, the real estate cycle, um, things go up and down, but I don't think we'll ever, I think we will be able to sustain strictly because the industries aren't just solely focused on one. Um, and then like the people who are invested into the city, especially downtown, um, it's just so many, you don't put that type of money into the city if you feel that you will take a loss, like what you, you know, why you're able to gather. It's, it, to me, it's just too many things put in place to where it wouldn't be able to fail like it did before. And then even now they're doing stuff with the neighborhoods too. So there, it's a lot of development planning. Um, so yeah, I would say um, it's, to me, it's better than before. One of the things that's interesting and what's kind of not necessarily, not the theme of this show, but just kind of like the theme of a lot of things is Detroit messed up and they realized like, Hey, we can't, we can't be undiversified. We can't strictly just have all our, our, our eggs in one basket. And so a lot of people still mm -hmm. think that, oh, Detroit is Detroit. And now they're saying, hey, we have, to, we have to diversify our industries. And so now that's what they're doing. They're bringing in startups. They're bringing in other companies that aren't, that aren't just like automotive. And so they're growing better. So just like you made mistakes and you grew better, just like I've made mistakes and I've grown better. Sometimes cities make mistakes and then they grow better. And so one of the things that I've found is like a lot of times people will see you make a mistake and they'll condemn you for that mistake. But if you keep pushing through it, then you get to see the progress. But if you just kind of allow them to determine what your worth is based off of their opinion, off of what you did bad in the past, then you kind of limit where you can go and you limit that growth based on the mistakes. So very cool. Um, I'm going to wind it up into the final questions and I'll let you get on out of here. So the first question is, what sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Uh, what separates successful investors? I think, and I, um, I posted this too, and this is a, like something directly from Nipsey too. It's like the only thing to me and that separates people is from successful people from people who aren't successful is that successful person never gave up. Like they continuously took their lumps those those losses those lessons and they kept doing they kept either reinventing themselves rebranding themselves trying new things until something succeeded i mean it's just it's nice. really it, like you say there is no sweet science to success it's like it's consistency persistence hard work you know and that's you know that's it you know just continuously doing you know good habits you know so really yeah that that, that that's it it's just they didn't give up they kept doing it. They started and they kept going. Who is someone you look up to and why? Who I look up to? Um, I mean, there's a few people that I look to for motivation uh, and different. Uh, I, get, I It's a few people that I look to and for different things. So um, Nipsey was one of those people. Um, um, I look at like just his mentality, his, you know, where he comes from. Um, you know, what he stands for, what he does in the community, his investments, you know, that um, I look at, at Kevin Hart. Um, I like that he's where he's at in his life, but still like one of the hardest working people, obviously in the industry. Not only that, um, obviously in the gym. 
So he, him and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, I look to like for like, these are very successful people, but the, to me, the gym is their foundation. They work hard, period. Um, who else do I look to for uh, like that type of motivation? Um, I like Jay Morrison, what, what he's doing, you know, his story. Um, he's from inner city, grew, came out of it, you know, he's very successful, runs multi, many businesses, owns the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, um, which is investing back into our communities. Um, I like, uh, it's a guy, I don't know if you know him or not, Beyond, Beyond Wynn, he's in Cleveland. I go to him, he's in real estate. Um, his his foundation, he, he works out, he's about relationships. Uh, um, he's moving on a higher frequency. Those are people that I would, that I'll, I'll look to mimic certain things to better myself. I'm reading, what book am I reading right now? I'm reading this book. Oh, it's all, it's called Can't Hurt Me. I'm not sure if you heard of it, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. And um, he becomes this long distance runner. Um, he was like, came, came from not the inner city, but anyway, he kind of had the stereotypical African-American upbringing. And what he did is he ended up becoming a Navy SEAL. And from there, he started running like super ultra marathons. Great book. It's kind of like 10X rule meets, I don't know. But he makes this comment that physical fitness and physical exercise, a practice that actually pushes you to success in real life as well. And it's something I've heard you say multiple times. And it's something that I've thought of. And it's like 100% true because when you're out there exercising, you don't really get the benefits until after it hurts. And if you apply the same concept to your business, when you get tired, that's when the work begins. I tell people like, I don't even start working until after you leave the office. If you and I are here at the same time, I'm not working. I mean, we're working, but I don't start counting the hours until after everybody else is gone because that's when I start getting that edge. That's when the separation happens. And so it's just really cool that you said that because I think it's 100% true. Like success in the gym and success working out also translates into success in business and life and career. Yeah, I I agree 100%. I don't know. I've heard the quote, like uh, some of the most successful people are people who go to the gym. I don't know how true that is or not. But I definitely definitely buy into if you can dedicate yourself to the gym and transforming your physique or achieving a goal in the gym, you can definitely be successful in anything you want to do in life. It's kind of like I was watching one of those podcasts and he was looking at um, like Andy Frisella and that other guy, I can't think of his name. They're like super buff. And he was like, mm-hmm. for some reason I meet a lot of successful people and they're like super buff. And now Grant Cardone's trying to get like super buff and he actually has gotten <laughs> buff, but there's a correlation there. It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yep. Um, 100%. What does wealth mean to you? Uh, wealth, uh, from a um, financial standpoint, I mean, it just means that I have something um, that I can pass on or that generations from now will benefit from. So what I'm doing, what I have will benefit my kids, kids, kids. To me, that's wealth in the financial sense. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, and I get this from beyond is like, I want to be spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially, you know, fit or wealthy. So not only the financial aspect, but I want to be in tune with my spirit, with my spirits. And I want to, you know, be as positive as possible, give out good energy, receive good energy. I want to be, um, wealthy in the gym. I want to be, you know, healthy, um, 
and obviously the the financial aspect of it is what most of us want um and then just mentally i want to be wealthy i want to have a good mindset um thoughts cool so thank you for coming on the show man where can people if they want to get on your buyers list if they want to get in your circle in your atmosphere where can they find out more about what you have going on um what's what's the rundown on you so if you want to get on my buyers list you can send me an email um at eric e-r-i-c at d-e-t property solutions.com so that's e-r-i-c at d-e-t property solutions with an s.com um, you can also follow the Instagram page, DAT Property Solutions, or you could follow my page, Real Estate Friday, just like the day, um, and just send me a DM and say, hey, I want to get on your buyers list, or hey, I want to chat. I mean, I get a lot of random DMs now from people that I don't know about different real estate stuff. So obviously, and I try to help as many people as I can because I know what it's like to be trying to get started in this business and not have someone that you can reach reach out to or that you feel you relate to. Um, so I try to help as many people as possible in that that um, aspect. So yeah, Real Estate Friday on Instagram, DT Property Solutions on Instagram. Um, my email address is eric at DT Property Solutions. Um, the website, um, like I say, it's in the process of being converted. So, but that's DT Property Solutions. You can contact us there. Um, same thing with Facebook, DT Property Solutions. Um, and my Facebook is Eric Friday. Again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, you guys hit him up. He has some great deals, man. I've seen a lot of deals fly out of Detroit on different Detroit yeah. lists. And I look at them at some of those deals. I'm like, I, I need one of them. Like that's, that's yeah. my, that fits my criteria. So I'm definitely watching. Yeah, no, page. it definitely is. Yeah, keeping an eye on the opportunities there. I'm um, a lot of value. There's a huge opportunity in, to, in Detroit. I always tell people that you got to move where people aren't looking and, it, I mean, for now, I, I feel like pretty soon it's it's going to be tough to find something of value in Detroit. So if you're looking to get something now, if you're looking to get something in Detroit, now is the time, basically. So yeah, you guys know where to find us. My website is www.capitaltod.com. If you're interested in investing with us, you can email us at membership at capitaltod.com or property management at capitaltod.com. My name is Charles Ogilvie, also known, also known as Todd Millionaire signing off.